It's tax time, and it's that painful time where we look at how much we pay the federal and state government. And if you're like me, it is a painful process. Well, on today's show, I have Sarah Holtrip, and she's from Profitable Insight. And what she does is she helps small business owners identify areas in their professional and personal landscape of where they can minimize tax. And I had a great conversation with her, and I think that you will learn a few things about you know where you might be able to start looking and, and how do you know when it's time to hire someone like her. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Sarah Holtrip. Please welcome, please welcome, welcome. This is another episode of the Defenders of Business Value podcast, a podcast where we talk about what makes a business valuable, learn the tips and tactics to increase your company's value that only veteran dealmakers know. And now here's your host, Ed Misogland. I'm your host, Ed Misogland. I teach business owners how to build value and identify and remove risks in their business so that one day they can sell their business at maximum value when they want, how they want and to whom they want. On today's show, I'm excited, and I mean excited because it's tax time uh, at the time of this recording, and and I have the benefit of having Sarah Holtrip of Profitable Insight on today. So welcome to the show, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me, Ed. Before we got on, I gave the audience a little overview about you and your company, but uh, if you don't mind, can you tell us a little bit about the services that you're providing and how you're helping small business owners minimize the taxes? Absolutely. I'm a CPA and a certified tax coach, and I help my clients in two ways, through tax planning and tax resolution. And in tax resolution, I help my clients fix their tax debt problems and get compliance so they can stop worrying about the IRS and the State Department of Revenue. And with tax planning, I help my clients structure their activities, their income, and their expenses so they pay the least amount in tax. (laughs) Well, it's ironic that we're recording this here in March, and in doing the research about you, one of the, your claims to fame is the tax savings that you do for small business owners, and and I'm and we're talking, you know, twenty to forty percent was numbers thrown around, and I can guarantee every business owner wants to to know how in the world you do that. So, where are those areas? Well, you know, you may not realize, but you have a lot more control over how much you pay in tax than you might think. Because the tax code is actually a series of incentives for certain activities. And business ownership is one of those activities. And the more you understand about the provisions of the tax code, the better able you are to leverage opportunities to lower your tax bill. And the first question I'm always asked is, Sarah, can I do this? Is this legal? Absolutely. You know, the ultra-wealthy and Fortune 500 companies have been using tax planning strategies for decades to reduce their taxes. And you can use the same process to lower your tax bill. Can you give an example? I mean, as a taxpayer, I've been uh, paying small, you know, the taxes associated with owning a small business for a long time. And, you know, and especially the guests that have come on. I mean, we talk about, you know, there's a, a number of areas that are constantly coming up. And one is the tax, two is the healthcare challenges, and three is people. So, I mean, do you have anything that this year might be different for the small business owner? You know, we're still coming out of this. this 2019 was the second year that you saw TCJA of tax reform. And there are still clarifications that are still coming through. And for small business owners, one big piece that we're looking at, and we'll talk a little bit more about this, is entity structure and how you can best 
leverage that 20% pass-through deduction? Or does it make sense to change your corporate entity type to be able to leverage that reduction in the corporate tax rate? So those are two areas. But when we talk about tax planning overall, we're really saying, are there ways that we can shift income uh, to be able to push it into a lower tax bracket? And you can think of it this way. You know, when I'm looking at income coming in, I either want to try to find opportunities to defer it, which means I'm going to pay tax. I'm not going to pay tax on it now, but I'll pay tax on it later. Or are there opportunities for me to be able to push it into a lower tax bracket? And one way that we can do that is by identifying deductions and expenses that can help push us down to a lower tax bracket. Because, Ed, if I can push someone down from a 37% tax bracket to a 24% tax bracket, that's a win all day long. Oh, yeah. And the, the funny thing is, you know, when we deal with small business owners, you know, we're, we're constantly reconstructing the income statement to show the level of earnings that company has. And most small business owners are doing everything they can to embed and shelter income so that they have a, a lower taxable income. But I think, and a lot of the challenges that we experience is the forensic accounting that accompanies it. And so I always tell the, the people that we work with that the more profit you can show, the the greater the chance that you're going to survive the due diligence, the, the higher multiple you'll probably receive because, because again, there's not a question of the integrity of the financial statements. So that's kind of where you come in uh, with tax strategies that can maximize that, that net income. But I, I think if I'm a business owner and I hear, you know, you need to change structures. I mean, tell me how hard is, is doing that? You know, um, what you have to remember is the entity or structure that you use for your business is so important because it directly impacts the amount of tax that you're going to pay. But I think what's forgotten is different tax strategies favor different entity types. So it's important that the entity form that you choose aligns with the tax strategies that are the best fit for you and your situation. Because when we look at the choice of entity, we always need to look at the state where you're operating your business or where you own property first. Because the states aren't uniform in tax treatments or in the asset protections that they offer. And, you know, the, the one piece that I'm asked is I've been, I've been operating this way for, for decades. But that entity type that you've had in place may have been really effective for a long time. But in the light of tax reform or changes in your business or changes in the environment, it may not really serve you the same way. So it's always good to evaluate the structure that you're using. But, you know, I caution everyone, before you go out and go convert your C-Corp to an S-Corp to take advantage of the 20% pass-through, or if you want to convert your S-Corp to a C-Corp to take advantage of the lower corporate tax rate, or even to incorporate, it's important that you work with your tax advisor to ensure that this is the best choice for your business long-term. I recently had a client who made an entity change based on the recommendation from another advisor, and it saved her a whole lot of federal tax but it created a huge state tax bill. So it wiped out any, really any of that federal tax savings. For example, most of the, the companies that I see are either S's or LLC's. And the older companies mm-hmm. are all S's and the newer companies are all LLC's. And, <laughs> and which is, yeah, which is, which is funny. And, and I'm reasonably certain that there wasn't a whole lot of thought that went into the entity selection. So, 
but as far as converting, is that a large undertaking or not? Not, not necessarily. I, the important piece before you convert, sure. you need to fully, um, you really just need to fully understand the ramifications with it. And you need to understand the numbers, but the, the bigger driver, you need to use the right numbers in your analysis. Oh, yeah. Otherwise you can have some ugly consequences. But if, if you go about it the right way, absolutely, converting really may make sense. And let me give you an example. Um, if I have an F-Corp owner who fringe benefits are really an important piece of what they need for their business and a driver, well, an F-Corp may not be the appropriate entity. A C-Corp may be a better fit for them. And at the end of the day, may overall will find that that will help them lower their tax bill and really maximize the money, the amount of money that they're bringing home, as well as the amount that they can reinvest in their business. So if I, that's the reason why it's important to look at the analysis on a case-by-case basis, yeah. because we need to understand what, what are the pieces that are important to you? What could your, what are the, the factors that really could benefit you as a business owner and that are those that will help you grow your business in the best way? So one of the things that always crops up is it seems to me that with business owners, it's the devil you know versus the devil you don't. Even though I may be getting punished from a tax standpoint or substitute whatever you want for for taxes, it seems as though if this is the way we've done it, at least we know that this is how it is versus, you know, I, I just, I don't want to go do something I don't know about. I don't want to change. Even if the benefit is superior, which to me is kind of counterintuitive. And so I, I guess that my question I wanted you to address is how do I ease into this tax planning strategy that, that you offer? I mean, what do, what do I, what do I do? How do, how does that not become painful in conversion or not conversion in, um, you know, in selecting going in a different path than I'm accustomed to? Well, you've got a few pieces to it. I, as part of a, an overall analysis, that's where we start is really from your tax returns. And we and so we look at the returns and see how have you been treating pieces. And then there are conversations of, tell me about where your income is coming from. Tell me about your expenses. Tell me about your activities. And tell me about your activities outside of this business that I'm looking at. So we're really trying to look at everything in very much a holistic piece. And from there, we can look and say, by doing tax planning, I think that we can save you X amount each year in federal tax and X amount in state tax. And, you know, we're doing a high-level overview, and many of the actual strategies that we're going to use, we'll dig into once we start getting into those weeds. But I'll tell you, for the tax planning process, it's not a a one-time piece. This is really a... I would say over a period of at least a year and it's an ongoing process. And what we, the biggest piece that I see for my clients is it's a mindset shift. They've gone from taxes are an unfortunate consequence of, of earning more money. My business is successful. Therefore I need to pay, I'm going to pay more in tax. And that isn't necessarily true. And so it's shifting that mindset to start operating in more tax smart ways. So when you say how complicated is it, it's complicated. It's like everything. It's going to be a change. But this is going to be a welcome change because you'll find that the rest of the process as you're going through 
it's all positive benefits. It's putting you in a position that you've got more accountability, you have better control of your numbers, and a better understanding of what's happening to them. And you know, there's that second piece of that tax savings, what does it do? You can, for those, instead of paying unnecessary taxes, you're either reinvesting in that in your business or you're helping to build your family's financial future. So if you keep your eyes on the prize of it's going to be a little bit painful, but look at what you're going to get in the end, it's absolutely worth it. I have not talked to one tax planning client who's regretted their decision. When, you know, the, the, the common theme that we hear is, you know, you can be gray in, in your deductions, just don't go outside of the gray area. And the problem, you know, I, I shouldn't say the problem. I think the, the challenge that, that business owners have is if the IRS shows up at my doorstep, what happens? And I know you, you do a lot of that work of, of advocating your, for your client's position to the IRS. So what happens when we deploy your strategy? I get a, a, a knock on the door that says, all right, we need to talk about this. What does that mean? And what should I do? Well, you know, when you talk about tax mistakes, you know, the biggest mistakes that I see are either you take deductions that you shouldn't, or you don't take deductions that you're entitled to because you're scared that it's either going to trigger an audit or you're taking too many deductions. Because you shouldn't let the fear of the IRS keep you from claiming legitimate deductions. Because when you do that, you're leaving money on the table. But again, as part of the tax planning process, that's why it's important to have an advisor who's going to work with you to identify the strategies that your business may be able to take. And as part of that process, they're going to work with you so you understand the requirements. That way you understand what you need to do to make sure that you can take this deduction. And, you know, keep in mind, tax planning actually protects you in the event of an audit. Because when you know what you can and cannot do, you design your activities so that you're following the letter of the law and you're compliant. And in that case, you can leverage every deduction or credit so you can pay the least amount of tax. Now, in that example of what you gave, say, you know, the IRS comes knocking at your door. The first comment I make when you get that notice in the mail is don't panic. You know, it's don't panic, but don't ignore that notice. And what I tell my clients, when you get a notice, you're not responding to this notice. I'm responding to this notice. You know, you want your tax advisor to handle this correspondence. And, you know, so much of what's happening through the IRS is automated these days, and you have a lot of data that's coming through, and a lot of it's a matching. You reported this on your return, and the 1099s aren't matching up. Oh. And some of these are fairly simple, but some are a bit more complicated. So that's why it's important to have guidance with you as you're responding to these. So when you do that, what are the red flags or the mistakes that you see? I know you just said that uh, there's a matching error, and I and believe it or not, I'm on on our 1099s, I, I, I have received that uh, notice. Where are the mistakes or what are the other areas that you see that the IRS shows up at your door? The ones that you're going to see is uh, the, the largest one. You didn't report all your income. You know, um, either I had W-2s and 1099s and didn't include those on my return. Those are, you're going to get flagged for those. And, and the other part is, is that in, in just kind of a matter of principle, always report all your income, always report all your income. And uh, so that's probably the largest one that we're going to see. Some of the deductions, um, you know, sadly, there's a lot of 
I think, incorrect information out there floating around, oh, I can take this deduction or I can take that deduction. Make sure that these aren't just urban myths, that there's actually some legitimacy in that deduction that you're taking. And, um, and you know, off the top of my head, I'm thinking of a couple that um, I, I was told that I could take. And it, it pieces like, and this is kind of a very basic example, that I have a car, I have it wrapped. Therefore, it's a mobile advertisement, and all of that that entire vehicle is deductible. That's so crap. That is so funny. You're saying this. I keep going because th- this showed up uh, about thirty days ago. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and that one where it's totally incorrect because what we're always looking at is what was the actual use of that vehicle. I need to be driving either to a client location or um, from an administrative office to a home office. You know, it's the intent of that deductible mileage. Just having a billboard on my vehicle does not automatically make that expense deductible. So those are some things out there. Or, you know, um, what has happened after TCJA, a lot of the entertainment deductions were, you know, so so many of them were slashed. So there's still that misunderstanding that, okay, well, if I show up somewhere in branded apparel at a baseball game, that makes it automatically deductible. No. So we just need to go back to, you know, and and one thing I do remind my clients, there are so many great available deductions that are out there. Don't waste your effort on the the stupid ones that are going to get you in trouble. You know, what is it, that expression? You know, you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. It's one where just make sure everything you're doing is going to let her go off and you will be fine. But like what I said, there's so many opportunities for great deductions. You don't have to get into the gray areas. One of the things, and being a small business owner, I bump into also is that come January, I'm now starting to scramble to to compile everything that, that I need in order to do the taxes you know, life gets in the way. And certainly for small business owners, there's a lot going on. I mean, you can't just take your foot off the gas in order to compile all your taxes. And I know in our pre-record conversation, you were talking about the organizational component that makes your services, it amplifies and makes it easier to do. So can you talk a little bit about the guidance that you give business owners in order to make the tax planning service or the tax planning easier? Absolutely. Well, you know, as business owners, we are required to operate in a business-like manner, meaning we have to keep accurate books and records. We're supposed to keep contemporaneous records. Um, And we're supposed to be following corporate formalities. We're supposed to maintain documentation to be able to support our business's expenses. And if you don't, not only can you get into trouble with the IRS, but you can unknowingly expose yourself to risk. Or, you know, you could not only just with the IRS, but um, you could also potentially pierce your corporate bail where your corporate protection is stripped and you become personally liable. So it's as though what you've developed to build, to protect yourself by incorporating has all gone for nothing. Now, many business owners don't fully understand their responsibilities. They may have had an attorney or they used an online legal service to set up their corporation or their LLC but they didn't really understand what it meant and what they need to do. And what I find through the tax planning process is my clients become a lot more organized because we walk through some of those those formalities to help them understand you can do this and you can't do that. 
And let me give an example. Um, I can't tell you the number of times that I've run through a client's records where they have personal expenses running through their corporate books, which is a no-no. Um, not only are you required to keep separate books and records, but the other part is if you had a plaintiff's attorney who started looking through their records and saw that you have personal expenses filtering through your corporate business, you know, you're opening yourself up for an opportunity for them to say, we should, this corporate veil should be pierced and that this corporate protection should be taken away. So as part of the, the process that I walked through, we, that's, one step of, okay, let's separate these out. We need to understand what personal was, what's personal is personal. We keep separately and what's, what business expenses are right there. And I do talk to, to some clients who said, you know, I, I didn't know if I could, or, you know, there are times where it's like, we put it through hoping the CPA would notice and there shouldn't be an adversarial relationship <laughs> sure. with your tax advisor. You know, it, it shouldn't be, let me see what I can sneak through. It should be, we need to be very deliberate about what we're putting through. And this should also be an ongoing, ongoing process. That way, at the end of the year, you're not scrambling. It should be a situation where every month you've got good P&Ls. Every month you know how much you're making. Um, and if you're an escort voter and you have an idea of how much money did I take each month? Um, and, and those are so important. And that's part of that tax smart process. You know, and really, as you start thinking that way, it opens up even more opportunities for your business to pay less tax. Yeah. And I will tell you, I, I mean, when we start working through, we typically find thousands of dollars in deductions that have been missed simply by getting organized. And I look at a lot of financial statements and I, and a lot of the, the business owners in lieu of tax planning kind of do their own sheltering and I am forced to reconstruct the financial statements. And, and if I'm a, a business owner now and I'm, I'm listening to you, I'm like, am I really going to find that level of tax savings by not embedding all of my, my wife's or my spouse's uh, car that I'm running through the business? Am I really going to find that level of benefit? Uh, I think that's the telling question. And what do you think? You think you can find that level that it offsets the business owner running all their personal expense? I shouldn't say all their, but taking liberal uh, advantage of personal expenses. Uh, absolutely. I think there's a piece and, and, and just one thing to keep in mind with automation at the IRS, there's so much that's happening really behind the scenes. It becomes, there's kind of a new level of compliance that's required. And, and every business owner needs to be aware of it. Um, and even though you've probably heard, you know, the IRS resources are stretched, it means that you're going to have more automated notification. For instance, that 1099 that didn't match up. But you're also going to have a lot more correspondence audits where they're, they're focusing on one particular category where you're seeing your meals and expenses were disproportionate in comparison to others in your same industry. And they're going to ask for documentation to support that. So we want, I want my clients to claim every legitimate deduction. Absolutely. But I don't want you to get in trouble by tossing things on there that, first of all, aren't legitimate. And second of all, are going to throw things out of compliance. Yeah. You know, I tell my, my, my clients, we are setting everything up to a point where if, if it is audited, we're prepared. I mean, I never want it to happen, of course. But if, if there's a question, we are totally prepared and ready to respond. 
we want your records to be in that kind of condition. And, but, but there's what you're asking when you're talking about tax planning, I think that out there, there's the common buzzword of here's the different strategies. And, you know, as much as they're well-meaning and well-intentioned, I think some of how they should be used are lost in the translation. So that's why it really is important that you work with an advisor who understands the code and who can say, here's what we need to do to apply it and, and keep you out of trouble. Because what I'm, I, the typical response that I hear is my tax preparer. And tax preparers really, particularly in, in this season right now, they are so focused on preparing returns, they really don't have the time. And the prep team really doesn't encompass tax planning. They may be able to give you a couple of pieces of advice here and there, but that's not planning. And planning is an overall shift and looking at everything you have to say, what can we re-strategize, readjust, and find other deductions, credits that you can use, and loopholes that are available. And usually what we find, I mean, it's an investment, but usually my fee is a fraction of what you're going to see in tax savings. Yeah, I was was getting ready to ask you that, that whether – you know, when, when we start talking tax planning, you know, most small business owners assume that that is over and above them, that, um, you know, this is for your large businesses, but your practice is focused, you know, on smaller companies, right? Right. Absolutely. And, and I find that it really, it's never too soon, you know, and, and the best way that you can get started is by working with someone on the planning side. And it truly is important because, by structuring your activities appropriately from the get-go and also understanding what you can and can't do, you're putting your business in the best possible trajectory for success. The funny thing is that, you know, most of most companies, one of the greatest challenges that, that we have from the time that we have a, a buyer to, to consummating the deal is due diligence and the quality of the financial statements and the ability to provide supporting documentation in that review typically yields a favorable outcome. But those companies that the financial statements are a mess, and and like you're saying, you know, the disorganization, it really impairs the ability not only to get a premium value, but it also impairs the ability to actually sell because that business buyer is looking at how do they mitigate their risk just in case that you aren't doing what you should be doing from a reporting, from a, uh, just a financial integrity standpoint. So I hear you. It's a challenge. So do you do any kind of work like that with business owners uh, on the pre-sale? I know you do the tax planning, but do you do any kind of pre due diligence work for lack of a better word? Well, you know, something very similar. It's part of the planning process uh, because, you know, for us, you know, as I was saying, it's the, the statement that I hear most frequently from my clients is like, I didn't know, I, I didn't know I should do this. I didn't know I could do that. And they didn't have a good grasp of their business's financial situation. And because they didn't, you know, these are good business people, but they didn't have the tools that they needed to be able to run the most successful and profitable businesses that they could. And that really affects the underlying value. And I could see it from a buyer's perspective where because the books weren't in the best order, I would be worried 
are there some problems lurking around the corner? Are there going to be some surprises? And really, I would see it as an opportunity for maybe buy a business at a discount because of that condition. Without question. And so I would see it as when I've worked with clients, as they were trying to, when it was going through the process of, I think that I want to sell or I'm not really sure what I do and what I want to do with my business. I don't know if I want to involve my kids or my kids may not be interested. That's a pretty common occurrence that we work with them because there's some really great strategies that we can incorporate to help make sure that we're building your business to the best value it is, but helping you lower your tax bill. And by doing that, you're, you're enhancing the value exponentially. Yeah. just with the lower tax bill plus it and the value that you're adding. But I really do say that there is that false, yeah, really a false thought out there that the more successful you are, the more you have to pay in tax. Right. And that simply isn't true. And, it, you know, there's the second piece that you have a lot of control over how much you pay in tax. It's just a matter of the tax planning is not for the wealthy, the ultra wealthy the Fortune 500 companies. It is for companies like ours. And really where it's the most valuable is for companies like ours. Do you have a crystal ball? Oh, I wish I did. My magic eight ball, I ask questions all the time, <laughs> you know. Um, so, so, but, you know, I will say, and, and not to get political at all, but I think this year we're gonna, it's going to be a little bit dicey with the yeah. election coming up. Um, so, and politics does affect tax strategy. Yeah. So, we always need to look ahead, but you know, what I tell people is, you know, there are some decisions that we may want to wait until after the election to kind of see what shakes out, but there are others where we kind of need to say, we need to make the best educated decision that we can and just go with it and just move forward. I was going to ask what's your crystal ball on if it's a Republican presidency versus a Democrat? You know, I think the big question out there is that 20% qualified business deduction that you saw for what are pass-through entities, and, and you're talking about sole proprietors for partnerships for S corporations. When that was enacted under TCJA, that's a temporary provision, mm. so it's set to expire. And you know, the question that comes up: if there is a change, that could go away, yeah. and that's been a big driver for many small businesses. You know, that was a needed tax break. And a lot of the strategies we look at is what can we do to make sure that we're maximizing that QBI deduction? Yeah. You know, that, um, and so a lot of the planning was driven by that. Or on the corporate side for, for your C-Corps, that reduction in the tax rate is a permanent change. Now, that doesn't mean that if, if we have a substantial shift and philosophical direction, that could be undone. And that made for many small businesses, made C-Corps a lot more desirable. And, you know, so that's going to be the question out there. I, I do, I am an advocate for small business owners. I am a small business owner. And my belief is as small business owners, what we do matters. We are the ones who are building the jobs. We're bringing in jobs. We are, we are building the, our economy. And so I would never want to see anything that, that occurs that jeopardizes the impact of, of, and the, the, viability of small businesses in our country. Yeah. So, uh, it, so that is, you know, when I look ahead and I say, well, we need to make sure that we're setting up our landscape and make sure that that doesn't happen. But then again, you know, that's where I say as business owners, it's our responsibility. Let's make sure we plan. 
Let's make sure that we've done everything we can to minimize our tax bill. Again, we want to be legal. We're doing everything legally, ethically, or morally. Sure. I joke. I'm not. I don't look good in orange. It's never <laughs> going to happen. Yeah, um, you know, it, it, <laughs> you know, but we want to make sure that we're doing everything in a compliant way. But being compliant and paying taxes that we don't need to—that's not—that's not being a responsible business owner when we do that. It's a it's an interesting situation and and one of the stats that I that I just recently bumped into was that entrepreneurship is on at a 40 year low. You got to wonder what the impetus of that is. Is it because of things like this that it's just hard to be a small business owner and that that the the juice isn't worth the squeeze. And you know, I I look at my kids and and I'm like, well, you know, I, I would love for them to own their own business and control their own destiny and do all those things, the reasons that small business owners get into business to begin with. But at the same time, you know, the complexity, and it just takes the joy out of doing the service that you provide or the product that you make. And so, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, I, but I agree with you. It's the backbone of America. And I think it'll always be that way. I just hope that, you know, from using services like yours, you know, where you can ease the complexity out of the equation so that that business owner, you know, here's a path to success. You know, running a business is, it's challenging enough, you know, um, depending on the type of business you've got, so many of the legal restrictions on compliance and enforcement, and we've become a much more litigious society. So there's a lot of fear out there. And I think that that's one barrier or reluctance that I see for some of my clients to look into tax planning because they feel like they're, they're opening themselves up to even more risk where actually it protects you because you're laying yourself on a trajectory where you know what you can and can't do. And you're, you're ensuring that you're following the rules and businesses these days. I mean, we have such a challenge on running our businesses. Everything's running at a faster speed and we're almost expected to be experts in every different area. Right. And, all at once. And I mean, and, and there's a, there's a part of, unfortunately on a learning curve, which you simply can't do it. And that's why I do say for every business owner, at least get a consultation for, for tax planning, sure. just to give you an idea if there's an opportunity. And uh, you know, like for me, I don't, I offer free consultation, you know, just to, to give an idea of what I, what I'm seeing. Um, you know, and here's how you would benefit. And if I see something really glaring, you know, I, I will definitely let you know, like, here are my concerns. Here are some things, because I never want anyone to be in hot water. And there's a piece of, let's get you corrected. Um, and even if you don't work with me, I want you to at least know so you can you can be on that path to get that corrected. Sure. Um, but I think we all need to look in terms of, you know, our businesses are very much a reflection of ourselves. And we need to make sure that we are guardians of that. And I see as part of that process, yeah. my business and our clients become better guardians, not just of their businesses, but really of their financial situation. Nice. Because they, they feel, instead of feeling like they're at the mercy of the IRS and the State Department of Revenue or even their own tax advisor, they feel empowered because, you know, this is a consultative process where it goes through and it's understanding here's here's what's working and here's how the tax law works. And it's an ongoing basis. And then my clients are able to come to me and say, Sarah, I see this opportunity. 
What should I be doing? How can we do this? So they're able to incorporate tax smart opportunities in their day-to-day operation. And they're, they become active participants really in the financial decisions and really the direction, not just for their business, but for their family. Yeah. So I see great ripple effects because when we have financially strong businesses in our community, they hire people, they buy things. Yeah. They support the causes and organizations that are important to our communities. Amen. So that. yeah. that's what I want. Yeah. And, you know, it may just seem like, oh, it's just taxes. That tax bill, what, if you had 20% more, if your business made 20% more, what would you do with that money? Amen to that. As well as from a value standpoint, you add 20% more to your earnings, apply, you know, three to five multiple. I mean, that, that's an entirely different company. So I, I totally, exactly. I totally agree with you. So I want to be sensitive to your time. Um, you got a book in the works, right? I do. It is coming out actually at the end of this month. It's called Your Business and the IRS Survival Guide. And it's a collaborative book. I talk about unpaid payroll taxes and the trust fund uh, personal assessment. But what I would say for your listeners, feel free to shoot me an email and I would be glad to send a copy to them. That leads me to my final question is, so what's the best way we can connect with you? Uh, the best way to connect is if you'd like to schedule a consultation or if you've got a question, please feel free to, you can either go to my website, which is profitableinsight.com or you can send me an email at sarah at profitableinsight.com. If you go from my website, you can click on the link to schedule a consultation and we can set up a time to talk more about your situation. You can see if tax planning might be a good option for you. Um, or if you've got a question, feel free to shoot me an email and I, I respond to every email that comes through. However, I can help you. I, I want, you know, again, I'm a, I'm a believer in small business owners. I am a small business owner and I want to see them succeed. Yeah. And, and that email is Sarah with an H, not a, the new school way with a, with a, just an A. Cause I'm, I have a Sarah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we joke that, um, you know, the, the H is probably the only thing that's silent about me. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so I will have links to all of that in the show notes. And so again, Sarah, you know what? Th- and truly thank you for being so generous with your, your time and experiences. Um, and this certainly helps business owners maximize their value. So again, to learn more about Sarah and what her clients are saying about her, go to profitableinsight.com. Sarah, again, thanks so much for being a defender of business value. And thanks so much for having me. And thank you for what you do to help our small businesses, small mid-sized businesses make those transitions and help give them options for when they're ready to sell. We'll keep doing it. And I look for the next opportunity for us to bump into each other. Sounds great. Thanks so much, Ed. This was another episode of the Defenders of Business Value Podcast. For more episodes packed with strategies to increase the value of your business, visit DefendersOfBusinessValue.com for show notes, transcripts, and free tools to start you on your journey. Subscribe now so you don't miss any future episodes.